Have you ever lost something that you were just, just your gut, your, made you sick? Like your gut like wrenched when you lost it. Have you ever uh, lost something? What, what was it? What was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I haven't had that experience but, uh, of losing a diamond earring, but um, my, my ears are pure and undefiled. So, um, you know, maybe I, sh- maybe I shouldn't have said, I don't know. A ring? Wedding ring? So were you sick in your gut or did you get kicked in your gut? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else? You lost something that was so sickening. Yes. Your pretzels? Your pencils. Okay. Yeah, your pencils. Your pencils. Special, special, special colored pencils or something there? Yes. Huh? Just your regular pencil. Your favorite, favorite pencil. Your truck. You have a you 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 have a you 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 have a big um, butt truck, and so like <laughs> how how that okay yeah yeah. Maybe all your senses weren't there. We'll just kind of leave it, leave it at that. I won't say on the podcast that it was Scott that was saying that, but oh, <laughs> oops, that might have. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I noticed actually. I noticed now, like when I rent a car uh, to go to a game, um, the cars that have Bluetooth, like my phone, like tells me where the car is. Like, yeah, it's like kind of a cool feature when you're less than impaired. Um, so uh, what, what happened? What happened when you found, did you fi- actually find the thing you're missing? Or did you just go buy a new truck? <laughs> no, you just went, I oh, forget, it. I need a new truck anyway. Like, <laughs> did you find the thing that you were missing? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody found something that was missing? What did you do when you found it? Yeah, right? Yeah, you celebrate a little bit. Yeah, you, you celebrated. So we are in a brand new series today called The Functional Church. We, we've, taken, we've taken all this year and looked at uh, what is the church. And where a lot of churches actually start, this is how we function as a church. Literally, in seminary, we had a debate on what made a church. And essentially what it came down to was you did the Lord's Supper and your baptism. I'm like, even then, I was like, really? Like, that's... That's, that's it? Like, there's nothing more than that. Like, come on. And so here at the end of this year-long look at what is the church, we're going to look at kind of the outward functions of the church. Because if we do not get the foundation right, if we don't get the mission right, if we don't get our purpose and vision and, and what we're doing right, then forget the function. We'll get the function wrong. And so um, to go way back even to the very first series that we looked at, our mission, our, our, our vision, our purpose, whatever you want to call it, is this. That we build each other up and we leave the door open. Or no, not leave the door open. We open the door for those far from God. We build each other up and we open the door for those far from God. I said keep to begin with and then changed it to opening on purpose. 
Keeping the door open is passive. Leave the door open is active. Or opening the door is active. Hopefully I'll get back to that towards the end if I don't forget. But the first function that we have, the first function that we have as a church is this. Finding lost things. Finding lost things. Luke chapter 15, most of you um, are familiar with this chapter, even if, if, if uh, when I say that, you're like, oh, I'm not. There's three stories that you're probably familiar with, one in particular that you're uh, probably familiar with. No matter how much you've been in church, you're probably familiar with the last story. But are you familiar with how or why Jesus told these stories? He's actually kind of on a little bit of a getcha mindset here, Jesus is. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, they were complaining. They were grumbling. This man welcomes sinners. This man welcomes literally those who are devoted to sin and eats with them. And eats with them. Jesus, this guy who claims to be a religious leader, actually he claims to be God. If he were God, if he were holy, he certainly wouldn't eat with these people who are devoted to sin. How dare he? Now Jesus is a little bit um, better with people than I am. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. And so... He goes into three parables. You know, Jesus, Jesus never really answers the question. He either gives a story or answers the question he wants to answer or, or goes deeper into something that, that, that would just, you know, poke the bear. See, this, this past Wednesday, actually, I was, I was at lunch with, with some pastors and, and, and they were actually talking much the same way. I finally had enough. I, I, I'd snapped. I don't know if they saw it as passion or anger, but it was anger. And right there in Wild Hog Cafe, kind of ironic, um, I just went off on them. Because it was kind of that same thing. Our culture, our culture, especially sinners, and a bunch of this, and a bunch of that, and a bunch of this, and a bunch of that. Now, I don't have a whole lot of couth, so I just kind of laid it out there on the table. So I didn't write the book, How to Make Friends and Influence People, or whatever that is. But so Jesus went into three stories. First one, guy has a hundred sheep, right? We actually looked at this in another section of Scripture. Jesus, Jesus kind of came back to the same material at times. Guy has a hundred sheep and he loses one. What does he do? Oh, I got I still got ninety-nine out of hundred. That's still an A. Some people call that an A plus. I'm all good. Let's keep going, right? Let's, let's keep going. No, what does he do? He goes and he does everything he can to find that lost sheep. Why? Because in his gut wrenched that he lost a sheep. 
He finds it and he puts it on his shoulders. And if you've kind of heard, been around church and you, you heard a pastor preach and tell the story that, you know, shepherds would break the legs of the sheep and then carry them back, and that's a pic- It's fake news. <laughs> it's not real. That's not true. It preaches, but it, it's, it's, it's not true. Because Jesus is caring and loving, and that he takes his lost sheep and he carries them and doesn't break them. And he carries them back. And what does he do then? Does he just go on about his day? No. He gets his, all his buddies around. And, he, and he's like, we found the lost sheep. We found the lost sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We found the... Is that kind of the right thing there, Paul? Okay. It was right then. It was right. Ba, ba, ba. I found the lost sheep. Yeah. So... Jack's with me. Like, <laughs> I'm trying here, people. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he had a party. But he found the lost sheep. This is what Jesus says. This is like, this is like Jesus using this story, and then if they were catching it, he was twisting the knife. Verse 7, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. There is more joy, there is more celebration in heaven over one person who repents than 99 of you pious gas bags who don't think you need repentance. That's how I would say it. <laughs> Jesus has more people skills than I do. But as I was thinking about this verse, and we kind of interpret this as somebody that repents for the first time, I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. I think this is over anybody who has a lifestyle of repentance. So all the more when it's 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people who get together, who have a lifestyle of repentance, that heaven is rejoicing that we are sitting here celebrating Him. Over 99 people who are sitting in a pew going, God is just happy to have me. And Jesus tells another story. There's a woman. She has 10 coins. Each of those coins are a day's worth of wages. And she loses one. She loses one. So what does she do? Nine out of ten? That's an A minus. That's pretty good. And just goes about her business? No. What would you do if you lost a day's worth of wages? You'd find it. Maybe, maybe some of you have done that, like, you lost it, didn't know it, and then you put that jacket back on the next winter. <laughs> it reaches the point, you're like, yeah! <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's better? That's better? Yeah, yeah, it's moving my hips. That's on the podcast too. Pastor moving his hips. Yeah! <laughs> yesterday, Floyd and Kathy got married yesterday. Those of you that know Floyd and Kathy that's been coming here lately, Floyd and Kathy been, got married yesterday. One of the ladies sat down. 
next to me, a family member, somebody, and it was like, yeah, yeah, Kathy so talks about your church, so they love the church, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, one of the first times that she went, and she came back talking to me, and she's like, the pastor preaches in shorts. Like, <laughs> and then another lady, another one was standing there, she was like, really? I need to go to that church. Yeah, come on. Uh, but anyway, ladies, like, she celebrates when she finds it, right? She calls all of her women friends and, and, and celebrates when, when, when she finds the lost coin that is the day's worth of wages. I don't know. I don't know, but I think there was a video camera there at that point in time. And I think, I think, I think, I think that the celebration looked a little bit like this. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but they celebrated over the lost coin. They celebrated over the lost coin. What do we have? What do we try to have an attitude or an atmosphere of celebration? Because it's better, because, it's, because the angels rejoice over one person that repents. See, after we get over the grieving that leads to repentance, we have a celebratory faith. Our services are not to be like a funeral. They're to be like a party. A celebration of what God has done. If the knife isn't deep enough into the religious leaders back, he tells one more story that's way more pointed and way more personal and way more human because he actually involves humans in this story. There's a father who have two sons, an older son and a younger son, right? And the younger son comes up to Pops and says, hey, old man, you know what? I'm tired of working for you. I'm tired of your rules. I'm tired of everything that I have to do. Hey, my buddies, hey, they're going off to a, 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 a far off land, you know, named Vegas, and, and, and they're going to live it up. They're going to live it up. And you know what? That sounds a whole lot better than living underneath your roof. So you know what? You're almost dead anyway, so why don't we just speed up this process and you give me my inheritance now, which is a third of everything that you own. Why don't you give that to me now so that I can go and live however I want to with my buddies? How does that sound? Most of us would be like, you spoiled little brat. Yeah, pre-PG version, yeah. But most of us would be like, well, here's your three cents. I mean, that's all you're going to get anyway. That's a third of all I got. So there's your three cents. See if that lasts you very long. But the father gave it to him. And apparently a third of his inheritance was enough to, 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 to live a penthouse Vegas lifestyle for quite a while. And he did that. He went off. And as fate would have it, he ran out of money as soon as a famine hit the land. 
And he hit rock bottom, especially for a good Jewish boy. You don't hang around pigs, and you certainly don't slop the mess for pigs. But it really hit rock bottom one day when his belly growled. And when his belly growled, it said, why don't you eat some of that stuff? He said, he's come to his senses. And said, my dad's slaves live in luxury compared to this. There's no way that I can be called his son again. But maybe I can be a slave. I'll go and I'll repent and I'll be a slave. We were talking in a small group this week about how you know, some of the family members in, in, in small group didn't go into a church for so long because, well, if I went into a church, I'd be a hypocrite. And that breaks me. From the standpoint of that we have given off that persona that somebody can't come into the church for sin. When Jesus is waiting with open arms for sinners to come home. When the Father is looking over the horizon for a son to come home, because this is what happened in the story, right? The son came to his senses. Now, we don't think about it in this way a, 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 a lot of times because... I mean, the son had to be been emancipated, right? Like skin and bones. He ran out of money and he was living in a famine. What happens when you don't have money and you live in a famine? Skin and bones, right? He was probably, <laughs> Peter's like, I could go for a while. <laughs> he was probably stumbling his way home. He didn't have the energy to make it all the way home. And when the father every day looked over the horizon to see what he could see, and one day he saw a speck over the horizon, and he thought maybe, just maybe it is. And he saw that speck stumbling over the horizon, and he barely saw that speck because it was a skeleton coming over the horizon. What did he do? He ran to his son because that's not what Jewish dads do. They were much too dignified to run. But his son was about to die and pass out because there was nothing left. And he got to his son, and it says that he hugged and he kissed his son. His son had not taken a shower, people. Why do we expect people to come in the doors having showered in their life? This is what I got upset at on Wednesday. We have churches, we have people, we have Christians expecting people to shower at the door so that they can just come into the building. Newsflash, this is a building. We did not sprinkle holy water on these walls. In fact, we try to keep water as far away from the walls as possible. We call that flood damage. I'm not quite sure if our insurance covers it. It'd be bad, really bad. But the son came home. And the son started into his speech. 
Father, I've sinned against you. Father's like, shh, hey, hey, guys, 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 come, 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 I need your help, I need your help, I need your help. Servants came running. My son has come home, my son has come home, my son has come home, my son has come home. Get his robe, get his ring, get his sandals, get the fattened calf because we're going to party. When we need a party, when we want a party, we got to extend that A because we're going to party, right? I think this was the first song in the playlist. Go ahead, hit that up. Yeah, right? Welcome to my house, right? Welcome. You're like, wait a minute. Jesus wouldn't open the champagne. Tell that to the guy that turned water into wine, right? Come on. Okay, you may want to stop now. You may want to stop now. Because the flow rider wasn't going with Jesus. That Jesus was going there. And they had a party. But there's another character in the story, right? The older brother. The older brother. He's out in the field working like he did every day. Obeying the father and slaving for the father every day. And he starts to come in. And man, servants are like running past him. He's like, what is going on? And he kind of sees one over the corner of his eye and he sticks his legs out, trips him. and I, I added that. He goes, what's, go, what, 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 what's going on? Why are, you, what, what, why are all the servants running in? Have you not heard? Your younger brother has come home and your dad's throwing a party. He, he, he killed the fattened calf. There's a party going on. Brother can't believe it. Like, he's like, no. no. But there's something on the inside because you know what? He probably saw his dad looking over the horizon every day. He's like, wait a minute. I'm here. Why is he looking over the horizon? I'm here. I'm, I'm his son that stayed. I'm his son that obeyed. I'm his son that has slaved away. Why is he looking over the horizon? There's something that's starting to build in him. And as he gets closer, it says he heard the music and the dancing. Now, if you can hear the dancing at a party, it is a party, right? Like, if you can hear the dancing, that's a party. And he gets so angry if he refuses to come in. And he demands that his father come out to him so he can tell him exactly how his father was wrong. Old man... I obeyed you, and I slaved for you, but this son of yours, parents, parents, right? You know, this son of you, right? Yeah, this son of yours wasted your money on prostitutes. How dare you throw a party for him, and you don't even give me a goat. I wonder, wonder if the older brother... It's a little bit jealous. His brother's off, living it up. He's their slave in array, obeying. I wonder if this is a lot of times why guys, young adults, like they leave the church because 
we portray a picture of obedience and servanthood, which is true, but that's not the end game. And then we look out to the world and go, they are having a blast, and we get jealous. Look, I get it. It looks fun. But in all three stories, and in this story too, there's something greater that's going on. Verse 31, son, the dad said to the older son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Just because we have proximity to God doesn't mean we have a relationship with God. Proximity to the Father doesn't mean we have a relationship with the Father. See, the Father wants to give us an abundant life relationship, an affinity life relationship, a a, a relationship with Him that He gives us life, that He gives us the water, that He gives us the bread, that He gives us all we need in expanding measure in every dimension of our life. He wants to give us an infinity life. It is not about being moral. It is not even about getting rid of sin, as heretical as that sounds. It is about finding the Father who gives freely infinity life. In the last story, what is missing from the first two stories? The person that is actively seeking the lost thing. The son comes home on his own fruition. Look, look, we can't blame the father. He has a business to rebuild. What about the older brother? The older brother didn't understand that the father was willing to give him a party every night of the week. He didn't have a relationship with the father. He decided to simply obey and serve. He didn't have infinity life from the father. See, I think the point of this story is is Jesus telling the older brothers, look, you are supposed to have such a relationship with the Father that it should make those who are trying to find infinity life through sin to say you're not having the real party. You're not having the real good time. That the older brother should have been like, he is the one missing out, not me. He is the one that needs this. He is the one that, 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 that is, is, is digging his literal grave. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go find him and convince him that I have had a party every night that just blows the doors off of whatever he has experienced. I'm the one to go find him. It's not about convincing people to get rid of their sin. It's about showing them an abundant infinity life that they're missing. A life that's beyond what they can get otherwise. Are we a people content 
to live a moral life and do our little thing here? Or do we want to be a people who actually finds lost things? See, opening the door for those far away from Jesus means that we are actively opening the door for them. Actively saying, please come in. However you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done. Because I once was in the same boat. Yes, sin brings the wrath of God. Not because he's pouring wrath out on people, but because he's pouring wrath out on Satan and we have chosen to follow him. And when we choose to follow him, we get whatever lands on him. But you know what? People are God's prized possession. And just like our truck and our diamonds and our wedding ring and our pencils, when we lose our most prized possession, it hits us right in the gut. Right in the gut. And the fact that people that He has created are missing out on His infinity life punches Him in the gut. And we are His co-workers to bring them back home. We're His co-workers. It's amazing, isn't it? A bunch of doofs like all of us, like we're God's co-workers. It's crazy. And something that dawned on me this morning while we were singing, I don't remember Jesus ever praying for the lost. Except one time on the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what to do. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for those who are lost. I've been praying for God to push back the darkness in people's life and for the, for the gospel to expand and, and advance and, and that people will honor the gospel lately. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm seeing people connect with me that are saying, essentially, I want the darkness gone out of my life ironic how you start praying for something and then something happens. But you know what Jesus did tell us to pray for? The workers of the harvest. He didn't say pray for the harvest, right? He said pray for the workers of the harvest. Function number one of the church. Find lost things. Not to do communion. Not to do baptism. Not to have leaders. Not to do it a certain way. Function number one is find lost things. Are you co-working with God right now in doing this? Are you praying for darkness to be defeated in people's lives? Are you praying for people to find the infinity life? Are you actively finding ways to be able to share that with them? Or at minimum, invite them to church. I struggle with this as well. I get in a situation, like everything clams up, my mind stops working, my mouth stops working. Uh, yes, I know that's hard to believe. My mouth stops working. You know, inside my heart, the, everything just uh, grinds to a halt. I get it. 
But at the same time, God's going to use us in our giftings to be able to find lost things. How are we co-laboring with Him to do just that? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time. I pray, Lord, that You just move us. Move us to push back the darkness because You have defeated it. Help us. Allow us to see how You work like this. Allow us to, 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 to see You do amazing things in people's lives. Get us out. Make it so easy that we cannot miss the opportunities. Just thank you. We love you. It's in the name of pray. Amen.